This is the Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! You all right, how are we doing? I uh, just want to take two minutes of your time before we start this week's podcast uh, to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon is a tool that we're using to help the podcast grow, um, give you better content and, well, as I said, just let the podcast grow. So we've got three tiers. The first tier, there's only 20 of these spaces available and it's £1 for life and that's for It's Time to Refresh Originals. So if you've tuned in from day one uh, and you want to join the cause, you can sign up for £1. Um, just follow the link in the description. Uh, we've got the standard Patreon, which you get access to bonus episodes, uh, some exclusive content, Patreon specials, which we'll be recording, and uh, early access to all future episodes. So you'll be getting them on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, uh, which I think is fucking amazing for three quid. That's less than a coffee. And then we've got our legend status VIP Patreons, which is uh, £10. And that gets you tickets to all my gigs um, and it will get you free entry to any It's Time to Refresh associated um, events, gigs in the future. Um, So that's a little hint of what's coming up in the future. Um, If you do like the podcast, then please share it with your mates. We are trying to grow this little thing we've got going. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future as well. um, And we want this to go bigger and better. So sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh thank you enjoy the episode hello how are we doing uh, we are back for episode 22 of it's time to refresh the podcast um it's starting to get to a point now where i'm losing track of numbers and everything like that so it's just one of these things um hope you have been enjoying the last episodes um we've had a, quite a journey in such a short amount of time we've covered some miles we've covered some stories with some amazing guests which brings me on to my next guest today. What an introduction. Uh, Alan James, um, formerly known as Alan Skipper. Um, bounce producer, which heavily influenced by Hard House. Been producing it a few years now. We'll, we'll get into his story, do you know what I mean? It's just one of them things. Um, Hello. <laughs> highly rate this guy. Um, he's released a couple of tracks with me. You've done... Um, the last release on Chubby Tunes, which was a remix of one of my tunes. Um, the World, yeah. Yeah, The World. Um, check out some of his stuff on um, SoundCloud and that as well. It's, it's, uh, if you like that style, which we're going to get into now talking about, um, you'll really enjoy it. So how are we doing, mate? All right? I'm good, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm a bit tired from driving. I've been to Cardiff. I've uh, been to Barry Island to go to the Pleasure Beat, random, but it was where Gavin and Stacey was at. And then I've came from there up here, which was two hours, 40 minutes. And then I've got to go from here, um, which is another- A bit of a mission. Three or four hours home. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be intense, but yeah. Um, 
I've thought about having you on before, but like we said when we talked, it was that's a bit far away. Like from me to you, it's it is about three to four hours or somewhere along them lines, and I'm never down this way much. But I thought, why not try it out? Because this this would be very like the 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 right time to do it. Yeah, I appreciate it, and thanks very much for coming over. Yeah. Um. So from last, I will just start from last night. Um. Basically, last night you were you. Where did you go to? Okay, last night I was at the Shed event in Birmingham. Right. Um. So Shed for people that don't know is like a, a hard house brand that's very sort of local to the West Midlands. Right. Um. I wasn't there all, all the, for the whole event though, because uh. So I went back to work after six weeks off. I'm a teacher, so I get good holidays. <laughs> um. But I went back to work on Tuesday, and then suddenly, if you've had six weeks of you know going to bed at two or three in the morning, getting up at like 10 or 11. And then suddenly, you know, you go back to the, the normal nine to five. I'll say that, you know, I have to be at work eight o'clock most days. So, um, yeah, I was shattered yesterday. I had just put my head down for, you know, five minutes or so. Next thing I know, it's half seven. It's like, oh, I'm meant to be at the event in half an hour. And I, didn't, <laughs> I had to work at where it was. But yeah, it's a hard house event and primarily, but they're playing more and more bounce. So like Jamie Russell from Jamie and Justin yeah. from Bounce Factory is playing a bounce set. And uh, Anto and, and Gavin, or Eggman, they played a bounce set as well, and 12-inch thumpers were there as well. And yep. yeah, it was a good night. I couldn't do the whole thing, but I thought, oh, I'm going to turn up and uh, do the bit I could. So. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Um, it's good to see that you go out and support the events, even if you're not on as well. I, I love that. Um, really good. Like, it... Yeah, I think, I think I mean, there are some DJs who, who don't, you know, who want to get their first booking that don't go out at all. And I don't understand yeah. it. I mean, I've got friends who, who run Juicy in Nottingham who, who say, you know, they get so many people messaging them saying, you know, when are you going to book me? Can I come play a set? And they're like, well, you've never been to our event. You know, you might yeah. not even like our event. Come come and see our event first. Come support exactly. the scene. Come to the event. And then, you know, talk to us about, about bookings afterwards. So Absolutely. It's one of them things as well. Like, it's like I said to you off the pod, like you're really passionate about the music. Like as I said, me and you are like on a very similar wavelength where... We might sometimes overthink situations in, say, like making a track. You might be like, really, like, I, for me, I'll, I'll get into this again, but you seem to know what you want when you produce a track. Like, you know what style you're going for, mm -hmm. you know what you enjoy, you know. Um, before we get into this podcast as well, I just want to mention quickly this will be very interesting for those who are on that wavelength because I feel like we can get in depth discussions with maybe a track or an event and you you and and people who know uh, Alan will be like they know the the little short bio he does when he puts a status up on Facebook which is summarizing something and he'll go into the long bio and it's a big descriptive thing into if he's just been to an event or produce a track or put out a mix and it's explaining why he does it and that's I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on because you can see a lot of passion in in what you do um and it, it does shine through. Yeah, and just going back to what I was saying about events, like I'm not saying people should go event to events purely to try and get a booking. Yeah. But if you don't enjoy going to events, why should you be playing that event anyway? Exactly, yeah. I, I can 100% agree with that. Um, so I know we've got off on a little tangent before we started, but I just wanted <laughs> to introduce you to um, people who might not know who you are. Um, but as I say, you've got, you, you are building a following within the sort of Midlands bounce hard house scene right now so yeah um we'll start from the beginning with you then if that's okay because i don't know a great deal about the man that is alan james so okay um where did it all start music for you 
Okay, when you say where did it start, I saw when you talk, spoke to Dave Gray and he was originally going to start with his first booking, but he said, no, let's go further back. Yeah. So, I don't know, do I go right back to when I get into dance music? Yeah, or? yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, so 1996, Sash Ecuador. Right. Amazing great track. Tune, great tune, Fantastic yeah. track. Um, and uh, so that was kind of my gateway into dance music. Yeah. Um, from there, I'm just, I saw a TV advert for like a Creamfields album or The Annual or something. Um, and it was uh, mixed by Judge Jules. And I thought, well, you know, I really liked that bit of dance music. Let's listen to a bit of Judge Jules and sort of see what that is. And that's, um, we're going into the late 90s now. How old and, are you at this uh, point, sorry? Oh, I must have been, I mean, I was born in 83. So we're talking, I was talking sort of 14, 15, right. at the point I started listening to Judge Jules. Um, and he was, and this was just as trance was exploding. Right. So I naturally got into into trance, in, into lots of Lange stuff and lots of Ferry Corsten right. and all those different geysers. I knew there was a reason I liked you because that is amazing. Like Ferry Corsten's my hero, so. Yeah, and I mean, this is like <coughs> before I was ever, I mean, a lot of people yeah. get into dance music through clubbing. Yeah. But I mean, I hadn't been clubbing at this stage. I got into it just by listening to it off the radio. Was your friends into it? Like the, no. you, 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 not at all? No, not at all. Right. They're all sort of in, indie, indie kids, rock kids. Um, like my friends. My, my, my core group of friends is there's four of us and um, I'm the only one who likes like any sort of dance music really. And then like I'm obviously I've said it on the podcast before but I'm a massive fan of like pop punk and stuff like that as well so I've got a, like quite a, uh, a range but well, you did that Paramore mix didn't you remix I did the Paramore remix which yeah. I rate I mean a lot of people like that but I strongly dislike it for two reasons two reasons being the mix down it's really dated and awful and I, I, I haven't got the project anymore to go back over it and tidy it up and clean it up in bits and the second reason is um, like Paramore Misery Business is, is a great track and I didn't want to like ruin a great track like uh, people you he, he didn't ruin a great track no but you know but you know what i mean people say that like when you see um for instance like um somebody write a piece of music and it's like this doesn't never need to be remixed because it's like great no there uh, is no uh, piece of music that's above being remixed in my opinion oh, i don't know because i don't know like it's one of, and sometimes it, there's you get pleasant surprises though because you'll hear a tune and it will be like that's amazing, right? But then you'll hear a remix of it when you thought you didn't need remix and it's like, wow, this mm. is like, uh, blew out the water. Like, do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I didn't want to like, that's why I like, didn't do another pop punk one because I thought I don't want to like ruin tracks that mean so much to me. Like, like the perfect as they are with the, the fast guitars and the, and the pop punk drums and stuff like that. And I just think, yeah, if I bounce this up, I, I might be doing it a discredit, if anything. Like, but then again, a lot of people liked it, so it's 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 one of them, isn't it? And I do I'm, also listen to a bit of rock music, a bit of indie, and so on. Yeah, but. but yeah, in my friends group, there's like us four, and it's like there's 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 me, who's obviously the big bounce head who loves all sorts of genres, and then there's the two others who have no interest in it, and then there's one who like. He grew up with his, like, I think his mum listened to it or his sister listened to dance music and he was like, secondhand knows what Darude Sandstorm is or or secondhand knows, like, Sun is Shining by, like, uh, uh, what is it, um, Bob Marley and the thing. So he knows, like, sort of secondhand what it is, but he's got zero interest in it as well. He's also... Yeah, my parents listen to The Carpenters and ABBA. So yeah. So uh, that's a bit different. Great, by the way, I love it. <laughs> but, uh, but the... Uh, <coughs> yeah, the Carpenters was sampled on... Um, Oh, it's going to annoy me now. 
I'll tell you what, Brad can add in later on. <laughs> like, as a, or the, uh, there's a hard ice tune, which not many people know, but it samples... Um, Fantastic, by the oh, way. I can't what it was now. Um, Die Witness. Right. Do you know Die Witness um, observing this earth? Observing the earth? Vaguely. Not to worry. Anyway, yeah, right. it samples the carpenters I'll, anyway. I will listen to it on the way back, though, but, just, to, just to make sure. But yeah, so after Trance, like, Judge Jules then naturally moved into Hard House as that kind of replaced... Place yeah. maybe not the right word, but so kind of took over um, from from trance, and then two thousand and one. I mean, up until then, I was living in Norfolk in a scene area. There wasn't really any sort of real clubbing scene where I lived. Yeah. Um, but then I moved to Leeds for university, right. and this was two thousand and one as Hard House exploded. It's, so a, it's then, a massive hub as well, Leeds, for all kinds of music. Like I've got friends who obviously will have in common who are into Hard House. I've got friends who are into drum and bass. Uh, I've got friends who are into like bass music as well. That's, mm. that's really big with the kids at the minute. Um, and then and house music's big as well. Like it, it's a garage that's also big in in um, or was big in Leeds. Like what do they call? It? Is it niche? Do you know? Do you know niche? Is it? Um, it's like I don't know what it's called. Organ house. It's like okay. Do you know what? It's, it's really popular in like the early two thousands. Um, I'll send you some bits later. Okay. But like it's like. Leeds is like a big hub where everything it's like it's because so multicultural there's a bit of everything in there so yeah go on you you were saying I'll just, no I'll no not at all but yeah so so at this point I, I moved to Leeds obviously I'm already into into hard house yeah I'm um, already playing vinyl at home um you're not out just just at home um and then I moved to Leeds and suddenly there's this huge explosion of hard house and I mean, my first night out Rachel Auburn <laughs> playing right. Club Evolution, Room 2. Um, it was only Room 2 that was, you know, that was this night. Um, and that was, like, absolutely incredible. And that was the first night I ever heard Tony Divi the Dawn. Right. Um, the first night I ever heard, um, there's, like, an Olive, um, You're Not Alone bootleg. Yeah. Um, that was played and uh, by Volkswagen. Uh, eventually got hold of it. And, yeah, suddenly this music that I loved, yeah. there I am in a club scene um, with other people that are loving it. And absolutely incredible. And so I was, I was in Leeds for four years um, and loved the Regularly. hard house scene there. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. Sunday Central North I discovered. And right. Sunday Central North is just the most amazing event or, or was. Um, and so, yeah, fantastic times. And then after that, I moved back to Norfolk and I kind of stopped going out um, to, to these sorts of events. For, still listening at the... Uh, still listening at home, yeah. yeah. Um, but there... And... Uh, but didn't really have a, I mean, Facebook wasn't around back then. Yeah. Um, so wasn't really connected to anybody. And sort of my best mate that I went clubbing with, my best clubbing mate, um, he moved to Wales right. and uh, and I moved to Norfolk. So, you know, I stopped going out to, to hard house events or to trance events or anything like that for 10 years. Um, but I missed it. Yeah. And, uh, and towards the end of this time, I got to hear some tracks by The Laminators. Right. Um, particularly the remix of Two Tears Do Us Part. What um, year is this then? 2000 and... We're, well, we're heading towards 2015. We're not right. quite there. Um, and uh, and Ralph Ridgerator, which is still possibly my favourite track of all time. Very different when that came on. I remember it happening and it was around the buzz of, I think they were building towards maybe a tidy weekender. And there was um, a massive like... I remember hearing this and I was like, what is this? So I went down a little rabbit hole of like what Laminators was. And then I was just like, this is different. Like, cause it is, di it is different in comparison so different. to, yeah, yeah. So go on, you were saying. Yeah. So I then saw the Tidy Weekender 
um, Tidy Weekender 20 advertised. I'd never been to a Weekender. Right. Um, I'd got some of the Weekender CDs from when I lived in Leeds, though. And uh, and I just posted on Facebook. It's like, at this point, not knowing anybody who liked hard dance music at all. Yeah. And I just posted, didn't want to go to this. And the first time I posted it, nobody replied to it. Um, and I then thought, the Laminators, you know, I held them in such high regard. I needed to go to this event. So I posted a second time. Look, does anybody want to go to this? I think it's going to be really fun. And this uh, this lady I worked with, or used to work with, um, she said, well, it's not really my thing, but it sounds different. I'll, I'll go to that for a laugh. Okay. And so, yeah, so the two of us, we went. Um, she came up from London to meet me in Norfolk. I then drove up from Norfolk to Southport. We went to Tidy Weekend of 20. I had the most incredible weekend and made some friends who I then went out to other events okay. with. And on the Sunday night, the laminators set. I didn't know... Wayne Johnson was the right. laminators at this stage. And uh, yeah, that weekend literally changed my life. I was like, this is amazing. So I then started going out to lots and lots of events, um, commuting from Norfolk. It actually, stupid though it may sound, like it never occurred to me that I could go from Norfolk to Birmingham for an event or from Norfolk to Leeds just to go to an event. That had never occurred but, to me. because so If I would, you're not in the loop though, then mm. it can be one of the things like you might not... I know we're talking maybe pre-Facebook, but pre-Facebook you might not know. Um, I know they used to advertise, there used to be odd advertising like Mix Mag or DJ Mag. They'd be like, oh, we've got a weekend coming up. But like you wouldn't get an average hard house advertisement where you'd see it off social media. Um, I've got a question it's just so far what you've been saying. Um, see the friend that you came with that came with you, did they yeah. know what hard house was? Or She didn't, not really, no. She listened to a tiny bit of it and not, you know, until I'd yeah. introduced her to it. And it's not really her thing. She's not been to any events like that since, yeah. but she just thought, well, it'll be something different. And Did she uh, enjoy it? Like, I just, just, because it's always, it's always, <laughs> I always find it fascinating that people who, from an outsider's perspective, come and is it because we're too enthralled in it that, that we love it? Or is it like, or is there something genuinely magical about it? I just, I think uh, she enjoyed the experience of doing something different, but wouldn't want to do it again. And she's not yeah. been to any hard house events since right. then. Okay, that's just just out um, curiosity. Uh, that's all. I don't want to make it sound like a ditched kind of thing, yeah. but um, but I did then find Pete some friends who live yeah. in Norfolk, as it happened, some of them who then were. I mean, one this guy would drive from Norwich to Birmingham to come to events over here, right. and uh, and it's like, well where I live was on the way. So, you know, you come pick me up for some events. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then I discovered um, more and more events. That, uh, there's one Kettering I was a big fan of. Um, and uh, yeah, started going out more. And then you very quickly, as you go to events, find, even if you don't know anybody at first, mm. you very quickly find, you know, it's the same faces, you say hello to people. And then Facebook, you know, love it or hate it, is really good for after you've been to an event, getting to know some of the people that you were there with yeah, yeah. and then you see them again the next time and by now you know the names and you're able to talk to them and have a conversation with them and uh, it sort of like it explodes and at this point the vast majority of my sort of contacts on Facebook are people that I well the people that I know on my Facebook are mainly people I know through music now that, yeah that's, that's interesting um what I was going to ask you is that um when you went to that tidy weekend uh, um how was it that when you when you watched the laminator set was it all you imagined or was it like would it exceed expectations or what, what was what was that it exceeded any expectation i could possibly have of what an hour of music could be yeah um 
it was absolutely magical. I mean, it's every little thing, like when you hear the Laminator's rings sample in their version of Wizards of the Sonic, mm. they put in little Sonic ring samples. And I'm like, I'd never not heard that before. I was like, this is absolutely incredible. So Attention to detail is what we're yeah, talking about off the pod. We were, before, before we yeah. went live, we were yeah. talking about attention to detail love, and that's the sort of thing. that. that um, yeah, so that set, I mean, I said at the time, that's the best set I've ever heard. And yeah. it's actually in Wayne's description of the, uh, when it loads it to the same place, he said, one lad said it's the best set I'd ever heard, but I do have to ask, had he ever heard more than one set before? <laughs> but it's like, it was, so it was you, amazing. Did, did you talk to Wayne after the event or uh, after his set or anything like that? So at the event, no. I didn't okay. speak to him in person. Um, I didn't, still at this point, didn't know that that was Wayne Johnson I'd just oh, seen. Oh, right, okay, okay. Um, I mean, the, the Laminator's Facebook page lists it as somebody called Joe and John or something. It's one of their little jokes. Yeah. But from the outside, you don't know that it's a joke. So I genuinely believe it was two people called Joe and John or something. Um, Ralph Refrigerator was down as being the Laminators and Wayne Johnston, but I didn't know that was actually a way of saying he was, you know, yeah. it was him and Alf Bamford. So, um, yeah, no, I started talking to him online after that and then met up with him, I don't know, some months later. Um, but, and then saw, saw him play a few more events before he sadly retired. Did you know of Wayne Johnson beforehand? Like, um, did you know of his mixes or anything? Like, so did you know the Laminators or did you know Wayne Johnson? I only knew the Laminators and I'd, and only, I'd only heard of Wayne Johnston because the refrigerator is officially by the Laminators and Wayne Johnston. Right, okay, That's that the only sense. place I'd ever heard his name. <clears throat> so when you check out his, his mixes online, you're a bit, you'll be a bit <laughs> over... Or, uh, overwhelmed because there's just hundreds of series of different like see like I think that the fantastic we talked about off pod I love we were saying about um the I love the smile things uh, I think that they were they were different contagious booty and mesh yeah nobody nobody's sort of done what he's done since like he, he had a very themed way of going about things and I love that sadly yeah, obviously he did he, he did retire and. Probably the only DJ I know who's actually stuck to retirement as well. Like when he said it was his last set, he hasn't come back as far as I'm aware. Um, I wish he would mind, but I think I think there was still a whole lot more left. In the a tank. lot of people wish he would. I mean, yeah. I understand his stance is that he he thinks that people are paid to go and see that set on the basis that it's his last ever set, and he thinks he'd be doing them an injustice if he then if then it wasn't his last set. I can see where he's coming from, but he is the yeah. only DJ I can think of who's done a retirement and actually stuck to it in that way. Um, he said, incidentally, that if I was to, the, the post I've got to get him out of retirement, I think if I get married, he, then I think he's agreed to play. <laughs> and, uh, and also, if I arrange a boat party that is free for, for people to go to, um, so nobody's paying to go, go and see it, then him and Charlie Bosch will do a bounce into hardcore set. Right. So if I win the lottery, that's happening. But Okay. Uh, Wayne, if you're watching as well, um, I've never actually met you in person, but obviously I've listened to all the, all the mixes and everything like that. I think really his style is very similar to you in regards to he knows what he likes in his, in his music and and it translates so well when you listen to his sets because you know what to expect with him. And um, So if you're listening... Honestly, no one's gonna feel like that you just retirement and then came back. Like, like it's been what now? Is it seven years? Yeah, to March two thousand and seventeen. Yeah. That was was it. Bounce Factory. It was Bounce Factory. Yeah. Was two thousand seventeen. March two thousand seventeen. Oh, sorry. So it's it's what it's been five years. Sorry. Five years. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, a bit. Right. So come back. It's fine. No one. 
you'll you'll kick yourself later on when you decide to do a comeback in in 15 years time and you feel like 20 years worth of, of memories that you could have made and and, and make people smile there you go look at that smile, there, nice there, nice no no yeah but I, I honestly it's 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 a sound which we've i've talked about online before with you that sound is missing within the mm. scene at the minute there is not many people doing it i know that the the bounce factory guys have just released an album um very similar to that you do your style um but like i say yours is more like trans influence yes um and then you've obviously got like you, the people out there you dip the toe in occasionally, like Tom Berry, uh, Dan Diamond's another name, mm. uh, Zach F. Um, the, them sort of names where you, you'll see an odd track by them every couple of years now, um, or you'll see like a big bunch of tracks at once and then nothing for a while. But Wayne just come back. That's 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 what I'm trying to say. The model <laughs> of the story. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. With 2000, when you said seven years, you're thinking 2015. Cause that's when I saw the laminators at Tidy Weekender. Oh, oh no, I thought he, he, I thought he retired in 2015. Okay. Um, I thought that was when he did the the, the last uh, the, that last set on. I, I listen yeah. to it quite often on um, SoundCloud. It's re- he was working down a little bit after yeah. that. Um, yeah. But yeah, 2017. Okay. Right. So I've rudely interrupted you once again. Not so, at all. Not at so all. It's just just good to to, to get into the, the thing. So you well, you you discovered uh, events in Kettering and and um, sort of around and lots in the Birmingham, uh, then yeah. and then a few up in up north as well right. uh, in Leeds. And so yeah, so that was how I got back into the hard house scene. It was more the scene was hard house, but what I enjoyed listening to was was bounce. Did you know this at this point? So I mean, I'd never really heard the term bounce yeah. until when I came back. I mean, I right. I looking back, some of the tracks that I had from you know, years and years ago, um, like we were talking dinky, about Dinky just before. Mm. Um, so I've got some Dinky tracks, I suppose they're bounce really, but I thought them as hard house at the time. Yeah, and yeah. I think everybody um, did, but you know, I mean, it sort of evolved into its own subgenre from there. And uh, <clears throat> there's a, a version of Blissima um, that oh, I can't think of it was by now, but that now I definitely call bounce. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was just bouncy hard house back then. Yeah. But yeah, so that's how I got into back into the scene. Like I say, more the hard house scene, but what I was listening to was Bounce. And then uh, a couple of years later, uh, 2017, the way things were going with work, it just was very convenient for me to leave my job that I've been in for since 2005. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was was looking for a new job. At the same time, I was thinking, well, shall I relocate, you know, and go somewhere somewhere that wasn't Norfolk. Um, and just everything coincided at the same time. It just seemed right for me to move over in this direction. So right. I moved over to the West Midlands. And then not that long after that, um, I got my first booking, um, at an event called Splat. It's a very small event right. in Birmingham. So uh, I, I, when you came back and you said you went back to the Tidy Weekender and stuff, I know I keep going back to it, but would you, would you, were you come back as a DJ? What was the what was the situation? Were you producing? Were you DJing? What was so when did when did when did the DJing thing when did that get, ball get rolling? I mean, I, I was I've been mixing at home since yeah. two thousand, right? You know? So some people say, you know, when did you start DJing? Some people to make it sound longer, I think, go back to when they first got their first set of decks. Right. Uh, I'd never played out at this point. Right. Um, in terms of production, 
Again, it kind of depends when do you go back. I normally count it from when I bought FL Studio. Right. In which case, that was about the same time as that Tidy Weekender because I was so hyped up from it. Yeah. Um, that I think pretty much straight after that, I got a demo of uh, the de- you know the free demo of FL, yeah. and then I bought it, and then I bought the higher version. And then, uh, what's your thought process there? Sorry, I've interrupted you again, but it's no, just no, it's just I, when you say things, it's making me think of questions. I don't want to lose that sort of thread. But um, when you've then been to the tidy weekend and you've came away was your thought of i want to produce this music i want to make something that sounds like the laminators or were you thinking i want to be a dj so i can mix tracks like them what was the, the process when you came away because obviously you said you came away and you downloaded the fl thing we're like i want to i want to make music this is this is what i want to do like what where, where did that come from was it I mean, again, it's inspired. When, when, I say I start when I start producing. I go back to when I bought FL. The things I was making in FL at that point aren't things that anybody would want to listen to. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I do a studio day and, and clap for somebody, I'll play them something I made in two thousand. Like a few times yeah. when somebody is like just starting to try and they've just got FL themselves or they just started to try and they just made the first track and they're like it's not very good and then they listen to something that somebody's been doing it a long bit longer mm. has made and you know they're a little bit harsh on themselves. I'm like, well you're already ahead of where I was when I bought FL, you know, and I'll play them the the terrible nonsense that I was making back in 2015. I actually, if you want to go back to where production really started, Mm. starting on my PlayStation 1 in like 1999 with that music game (laughs) and then then Music 2000, I spent so much time on that. Um, I was not making anything that, you know, would be playable by today's standards, but... But It's just the fun of intricacy of, like, making something and being creative. Yeah, and and simply, like, finding things out what works, like putting a clap on every second second kick drum. You know, all of that I was doing back in 2000. Um, But, yeah, so I was at this event, and the Tidy Weekender event, and I thought I just really enjoyed the music so much. I want to try and make something, um, not with a view to anybody else wanting to hear it or, mm. you know, being sent to anybody. I just want us to try and have that experience of making something myself. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the production side of things, um, that's, you know, that's when I got FL and I've gradually produced more and, and improved over time. Um, having, if anybody's watching this who is in the position of, you know, you've just for whatever DAW of your choice, mm. you know, and, and you're just starting out and you're trying to make some progress. Um, what I did is I was trying to make the tracks by myself and then I would go to an engineer and have have a studio day. Um, and then not with the studio day of just because I want a shortcut to a track, but a studio day of like, I want to learn, you know, and, and see what they're doing yeah. and pick up so much. So the first person I had engineer for me was Alf Bamford. He had just moved to Australia um, and he was doing online engineering, like before online engineering was really a thing. Right. So what you've done is you've you've came, started producing music and you went to the best possible person for it. Like, honestly, like I, I, I know I've talked about a few different people on this podcast and I've and sort of bigged them up, but... There isn't many who come close to Alf's level of production at all. Um, that whether that be bounce, um, hard dance, hardcore trance, um, hard trance, like 
He's very good. Like, like <laughs> very good doesn't cut it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've said this to a couple of people in person as well when we've talked about like uh, inspirations and producers. There isn't many people out there, right? Who I listen to within our scene, and I'm mesmerized by. Like, he can produce something, and then I'd hear he'd maybe do this sort of I don't know maybe do something in the track, and I'd be like, like, I'm not belittling anybody else by saying this but like say someone sends me a track and then i'll hear it and i'm like oh how did they do that give me half an hour and i'll have figured out how to write so they did this with alf like some of the stuff and that he does i'm like how the fuck did you do that like like uh, like yeah it's mind-blowing like that he's he, he's a level above most people who's held in high regard he's, he's one level above that i think uh, and i'm not just blowing his trumpet like he, he's, I think he's probably my, one of my favourite producers out there, if not my favourite, just because of the quality, the style, and yeah, it's just great. And I, I've, I've, started, I've just finished um, masturbating over him, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just what it is. Like the, you, when you've went for that studio day, you've went to the best possible person you could go to. Yeah, on the basis that, A, I knew it was amazing. His technical stuff, yeah. uh, under the, uh, as in hard trans-technical, um, I love that. Yeah. But also, when I discovered that he was the engineer behind the laminators, I was like, well, that's the person who's made what, our refrigerator, oh, God, yeah. it's the best track ever made. He's the person who's engineered it. Right. He's the best person. And then when he advertised, sort of saying, you know, is anyone fancy trying this? And yeah. uh, so I, I was absolutely well up for that. And so he engineered three tracks for me. Um, yeah. A hard trance track called Oppenheimer. Right. Um, then he then flying home, right. um, and then a hardcore track which I've never released. Why has he released it? Uh, the the honest truth is because it had a is a cover of a placebo track every right. you every me or every me every you. Yeah. Um, and I was originally going to use a cover vocal, and in the end we went to a karaoke version. Um, got the, the vocal off there. Right, okay, yeah. And back then I was so paranoid about copyright that I was worried that a karaoke version would come after me for copyright on this vocal. So mm -hmm. I was like, do you know what? And besides, and it, I also now feel that I don't really gain anything from releasing it yeah. because I'm not trying to, I'd love to at some point make hardcore, but it's not something I'm doing right now. Yeah. So I'm not there for promoting myself in the hardcore scene. So Apart from, you know, five minutes of fame, I don't really get anything for releasing that track. I do. I get to listen to it. <laughs> no, but do you know what I mean? Like, I... It's on, there's there's one hardcore mix on my SoundCloud and it's on there. And that at the moment is the only place on the internet I'll that, have to that find exists. it and I'll take it out, but yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so so he engineered those three for me. Now, in terms of my the name on them, hmm. um, they don't carry his name. I, I mean, I regret not putting them out as like, Alan and friends or something. Alf doesn't like his name being on tracks he engineers yep. because he engineers so much and not all the tracks he engineers, he says he necessarily really likes. They're not necessarily things. Sometimes people go in a direction that isn't what he would want to do. Yeah, yeah, it's not It's not him as an artist. Yeah, exactly. So that's why he doesn't, He so it's his choice Very not to have his name on them. But I always hate the idea that anybody's going to think that I've engineered it. So as soon as anyone says they like flying home, the first thing I say to them is, oh, but I didn't engineer it. Yeah. That's no problem at all with people using engineers. It's yeah. just that I like to be open and make it clear to people that if you're going to come collab with me, yeah, I like to think I've made a lot of progress recently, right. but I'm not at the flying home standard. Right. Well, I've got a little story behind that. I know I was sort of going off a tangent again, but um, I've worked, I worked with an engineer... Um, 
2016 possibly. It wasn't because I wanted to get a track made because at this point I was already releasing tracks myself. It was more the fact of I wanted to get um, sort of see if I was missing anything in my um, arsenal of production. So it's like if I'm good yeah. with him, even if I walk away with one little trick, that's it. That, that, that's fine. Yeah. So I um, produced a track with um, Glenn Walker, Energy Syndicate. Oh, right, yeah. Right, um, and basically what, what it was, we produced, we did we did two tracks in one day, if I remember rightly. Wow. Um, and because I, I, I drove over to, he was living in, was it Newcastle at the time? Possibly. Living in Newcastle at the time, and I went there, I got there for like 8 a.m., and then I like ran right through the day. I think we'd done like, sort of like 12 to 14 hours in the studio. Wow. Like it, was, it, was, it was intense because I remember like going for food and then coming back and then we were stopping for like a brew break and stuff and it was like, but I just wanted to pick up on what, what I could do. And then at the end of it, obviously he's engineered for people before, he said to me like, oh, there, there you go. And he, he named it just as Refresh, whatever tune it was, right? And I was like, oh no, you know, it doesn't want his name on it. Well, it's totally understandable because it... There's a, there's a difference between an engineer and an artist because some engineers necessarily don't even release music. I know I know people who engineer music who don't have any online pre presence other than being an engineer. They don't have an okay. artist page. They don't. So I was like, that's fair enough, but I can't claim I did that. So mm. I've, I've released it on my label as M and W, which was Milburn and Walker, but but no one know what the yeah, W is. Yeah, yeah. 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 So M and W. Um, I like that. Which, yeah, well, it was just a way of saying, listen, I didn't do this, like, and I don't want to claim mm. that I've done it. Um, and I, I went to Glenn about it and I said, listen, I'm going to release it under this name. And he was like, ah, I actually like that. That's cool. Yeah, that is. Because it's got no relation to him. But at the same time, I'm not saying, oh, look at me, I'm, I've produced this amazing track and, and whatnot. But yeah, we produced two really good tracks that day. Um, it was... Um, M&W which is Gotta Tell You I don't know if you've heard that track I don't know the name it was a cover of but then I wouldn't know that M&W was you yeah, anyway yeah, yeah, from yeah. that um, I actually did a remix of the track that I did which it sounds backwards okay. but but I thought I didn't put my own spin on it because um, I like the vocal it was um, Gotta Tell You by Samantha Mumba do you know that tune I know Samantha Mumba I don't yeah. know the tune Oh, it's, you'll know the tune if you hear it it's very catchy okay. Um, and basically, like, I released that, and then I did a, a remix, which it sort of fell flat because it was a bit too cheesy. It was um, a cover of, um, it was M&W Complicated, but it was a cover of Avril Lavigne Complicated, which, okay. yeah, very cheesy, yes. But the whole time I put it out, I didn't. I never just put refresh on it and said, look look at me, this is amazing. It was M&W, I don't care if you don't know who it is. Because at this point, I'd never used that alias mm -hmm. before, so it's one of them things. So it just got released, and then that was it. That was the end of that. Um, I didn't want it, like you say, you don't want it, you feel a bit naughty going, putting Alan, uh, Alan James on it, saying, oh, I did this, and it's like, don't feel bad about that. Like, like obviously, they don't want their name on it, but like, as you say, Alan James and Friends would have would have worked. Um, or something along them lines. Yeah, the and friends is also like a, a, almost like a link back to DJ Saken and friends. Yeah, take yeah. your mind. And I, and subsequently, I think to myself, is that what DJ Saken was going for? Is that like because I always thought back in nineteen ninety eight, DJ Saken and friends. What, what what is that? And then I wonder, is it like DJ Saken was the producer, not the engineer, and was the and yeah. friends the engineer? And probably never know, but 
I think it was like DJ Jurgen as well. I'm not sure. I might oh, be wrong. Okay. But, but I I remember that he did like a, a DJ Jurgen and Friends like EP, and it was like or, or release, and it was like several several different people credited on it and whatnot. But like that that could be another one of them things. I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But yeah, I think there's ways and means of using an engineer. And not claiming it to be like yeah. I've seen people go and I'm not going to name names because it's just it's quite frankly embarrassing. But I've seen people go in a studio with someone, come out and say, "Look at this, I've produced this." And I'm like, "You're using their samples that which they're known for. You obviously haven't made this like, but each to their own." Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to think. I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to work out if someone claiming to make a track and then it sounds exactly like somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then it, it doesn't take a genius to work it out. But we won't go down that rabbit hole. We'll carry on with your yeah. story. And there's nothing <laughs> against engineers and nothing against people <coughs> using engineers. Yeah. It's just that that where the credit is trying to claim that you've done the... I mean, I have yeah. seen in Hard House, I have seen a couple of instances where somebody's gone in, done their first couple of tracks with engineers, and then they are trying to give other people sort of feedback on on their tunes as if they're... And sort of trying to... It, it just comes across certain people, just a small yeah. number of people I'm talking about, but they come across as if they're trying to imply that they've done everything completely by themselves that and then they very clearly haven't yeah <laughs> like, it's, it's, like, it's not good it's all of it. it's just like, and i'm so, so polar opposites so that's why i'm always yeah, up front yeah. as soon as anyone says anything about flying home i love this this alan james or whatever track flying home i'm like i didn't engineer it <laughs> that's the first thing i yeah. say it's, it's, and my idea it's is not a problem but yeah it's not a problem i don't 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 get too hung up on it though. Yeah, like, no, uh, no, no, not at, at all. I don't think because you're so open and honest about it. I don't think anyone would would hold it against you. Say, well, okay, <laughs> you've lost all credit there for that. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like that at all. But right, yeah, so, so 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 that then, and I screen recorded flying home. Alf said that was fine so long as only I ever saw it. So nobody else will ever see this. But mm-hmm. I have a screen recording of our studio day, and I can see everything on his screen. You know, which obviously was massively helpful. Mm. Even when it comes to things like, okay, well, like with claps. So a lot of sample packs, the claps I found are a bit too dry. Mm-hmm. So what Alf does, he puts some reverb on it um, to wetten it out, but then he puts a compressor on. So you're just hearing the very first little bit of the clap at a, a nice loud volume, and then it goes quieter. And so I was able to look at him do that and pinch his settings for it. Yeah. Um, and so, so that was massively useful. And then after that, I carried on my own productions obviously took a big I mean before that I wasn't even I mean I wasn't doing any mastering on yeah. my tracks at all literally nothing I didn't know what mastering was when you get a track that says master I didn't know what that meant yeah so I was not even putting a limiter on right um literally nothing if you don't if you're not taught to do it then, no. then yeah I can totally relate to this yeah. so so massive step up you know <coughs> I say massive step up. my tracks were still not up to release standard yeah um but it was a big big help um, and then I did a similar thing with uh, Charlie Bosch on the first track I did with Charlie, with Wayne Johnson was there for as well. Yeah. So the three of us did a track together. Um, and then again, uh, I mean, although Charlie's, although Charlie and Alf actually both use Cubase, but still the ideas that you can see are, are transferable. Um, so that was a, a massive help, and that was a big, you know. And again, I sort of um, I wasn't screen recording, so I did them in person, but. Um, I was able to see his plugins and get little, t- and, and Charlie's such a top guy, um, that, you know, he, he, he's keen to help people as well. Like yeah. if they, if they go really along nice to him. Really nice guy, and, really very approachable as well. Um, so down to earth as well. I don't think Charlie realises how good he is. Yeah. Uh, I met him at, um, 
Was it BTRD Wonderland? Okay. I like, I'd seen him around for a while, but then I, I first time I met him, I just come across a really nice, nice, approachable guy and like it's an attitude to have. And and if you go far in the scene, which he seems to be doing really well at the minute, then it's it, you can see why. Like because he's there's, I know I'm I'm saying this about a few people. He's really really genuine genuine guy. Um, absolutely. Um, I want to say another thing as well. Um, before I lose my train of thought. Um, you were saying about when you were producing tracks and stuff like this. Um, I've had a couple of people message me who watch the podcast saying like about getting into production and they don't know where to begin and they don't like basically they're like saying show me everything because uh, I want to show I know how to make a track and I'm like I, it's it's not that I don't want to do it I simply don't have the time to sit there and mentor everybody or I can give quick tips and stuff like that or messages or a video like some people do it and I give them like a little video of how I did this one thing or how I did this other thing or they're saying how comes uh, my leads don't sound that good and then I'll sort of point out something or why does my bass line not sound as heavy and just little just little tiny like minute things but then there's people who are sending me stuff and they're, they're obviously like the first six months into the journey and they're like I don't, I don't know how to put it bluntly but they'll, they'll just go I'm shit I think about giving this up and six months no but yeah do you know what I mean though like no but because because they're, they're, they're not seeing progress but them them four months before that when they've only been two months in is a huge difference already like and I'll, I'll say listen back to what you did then you're like oh yeah that's that's crap I'm like yeah but look where you are now he's like yeah that's crap yeah but it's less crap <laughs> yeah don't expect it overnight like yeah um and if you listen, anyone who's messaged me and and have said this, and then I'll listen to this. Listen to what Alan's been saying. Like Alan's journey is a, a good example of if if you're willing to to put in the hours and the time and the effort and and whatnot. It, yeah, it's fine using engineers, but you use it for learning purposes or watch tutorials, or learn, and then it won't you won't all come in six months. You see some people who are naturally talented musicians and things happen for them in a, in a couple of years but stick at it right that's my only advice listen to listen to what you, you're coming from I, i'm not a per, i'm not a preacher of any sort but what i'm saying is for these people who are looking for a bit of guidance and stuff listen to what you've you've said already in this in this video do you know what i mean like it's like you've you've went out and you've you've seen bits you've re talked to people and then how do you do this or the little clap trick that you were saying about there and it's like right this is how it all falls together you learn over time like i've i've often showed people like my earlier stuff and it's absolutely dreadful like i didn't know what keys or anything was for the first year of my i didn't i didn't it's like major and minor what's that you yeah know? this this bass line sounds good with this this melody but i didn't know that oh that's how that's in key it was like mm. it just sounded all right and then you educate yourself on it over, over time and it's just one big learning curve and I'm by no means amazing um, and uh, or anything like that. Same, same goes with you. Um, not discrediting you, but what I'm saying is everyone's continuously learning. We were saying about Alf before being an amazing producer. Um, this is this is one thing that I want to get at. If you asked Alf himself, he'll say he, like he will be learning new tricks all the time. Mm. It's like and that's how you stay at being that level of a great producer because. You're learning things continuously. You're not just like, right, I've reached this level. I don't need to learn anymore. I'll just continue making tracks. Do you really think he's at a level where he's like, I'm going to disregard all these these new ideas and ways? Of course, you embrace them. That's what you've got to do. 
Sorry for interrupting you once again. No, but I'm going to pick up on part of what you said there about timing. I mean, six months is is nothing. I would say, even if I disregard all of the things from like using music 2000 years ago, because it's not like a proper DAW, but I was learning things in there about things like where to put claps, you know, in relation to kicks Mm -hmm. and where to put my hi-hats and so on. But even disregarding that, I mean, six months in, I was making absolute drivel. Um, I would say I'm now at a point where pretty much any track I make, probably any track I make now, I can get signed to a reasonable label. Yeah. I would say that point got took me six years. And yet I'm still not there. There are still things I listen to that I can't reproduce. Yeah. So there's there's still, you know, so I've made it from there to there. That's the point where yeah. you can get signed to decent labels. Um but if I still listen to like some of the leads on like Alan Ben tracks and Axel Gear has come back, you know, Ufian from from Hardcore. Yeah. The leads on his tunes, you know, my leads don't sound like that. Rob IYF, when he he does a little bit of bounce now, and their leads are still, you know, I try and emulate them sometimes, but yeah. I'm not there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've made it to the point where I can get signed to labels. Yeah. Probably took me about six years to get to that point. Still growing. And I'm now, you know, seven, seven and a half years in, but I've still got a long way to go to where I want to be. Yeah. So six months is, is nothing. If, yeah. if, if, if some, in fact, if somebody is now thinking today, shall I go and make my first track? Thinking six months time, if you're making absolute rubbish, are you going to quit? If you're going to do six months, there's no point yeah. starting. Because it's not a long lot, enough. A lot of people as well, when they had messaged me and said, I'm thinking about doing it. And then they'll ask me again in six months. I'm still considering it. Why don't you do it now? And in six months time, you'll be at that point where you would be. And they're like, and even if you say, no, oh, it is rubbish and whatnot. Just do it another six for another six months, and before you know it, you'll be like us, and you'll be like years in, and it's like, oh, where's all that time gone? And 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 you've learned a great deal. Like it's just what it is, isn't it? And if you are making something that's rubbish, send it to somebody who you respect, who who you want to sound a bit, a little mm. bit more like, and ask them for any feedback. Have a really thick skin. I mean, I was saying to you beforehand about you know Wayne's feedback mm. on the first things I sent him, but um, you know you've got to have a thick skin. Uh, otherwise it's production isn't the thing to go for, you know, go and do something easy. But um, where was I going with this? Um, but I've lost my chain of thought. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just going to say something as well. Okay. Um, one, one thing as well, send it to somebody who you can trust. That, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Right. Because I made the mistake when I was early on, sending it to some people and them just going, shite. And that's yeah, all that's I what get. I was saying. Yeah, so you want someone who can give constructive feedback yeah. and tell you something that you yeah. can do that's going to make it better. Because the thick skin part of me will be like, some some people will just go, shape boring, not interested. Yeah, it's it like, oh well, help, that doesn't help do you to make it better. Yeah, you've just been insulted if anything. But if someone's going to say, oh, right, yeah, right, I can see what you've gone for here, but if you just move this, or if you just if you just um, turn this down, or turn this up, or worked on this area in particular. That's constructed. That's something you can go back to your computer, work on. But if, someone, if you're just going to message, say, one of your idols or something like that and say, if you get a minute, please listen to this, and then the message you back going, shite. And it's just like, you know not to go back to them. Just don't like, don't let somebody that you look up to knock you off your, off your perch. Because I think that's where a lot of people are, where you say the six to six months to a year in, and they're messaging somebody who's at such a higher level and mm. they're going and... And essentially, it knocks their confidence. Just go to somebody who you know will give you the time of day to give to give you some sort of feedback. Yeah, that's, that's finding the right people yeah. for feedback is, I mean, it's it's not straightforward sometimes. Yeah. Um, but finding the right people for the right feedback 
is so so beneficial yeah i mean we were talking earlier about wayne you know and i've been sending things to wayne since 2015 he has listened to some absolute rubbish from me yeah. and uh and the first thing that i sent him he you know he said did i want him to be honest i hope he doesn't mind me telling this mm-hmm. he said did i want him to be honest you know because sometimes he gets things from people he's never heard of yeah you know and he's not going to get spend a massive amount of time potentially get into a big discussion with them a big argument um for his opinion but I said, yeah, you know, I'm not going to get better if you're not honest. So so he said, you know, right, this is wrong, this is wrong, done like this, done like this, this bit boring, whole massive list of things to change. And then I think it was, but the kick drum's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, I like it, I like it. And yeah, and there are people I've sent things to for feedback who some of them I just don't actually agree with some of the things they're saying. And that's fine, you yeah. know, thanks very much. I yeah. appreciate some that. Some things are subjective if, as well, not objective. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you send something to two people and they both say the same thing, then that's a good indication that it's yeah. something you want to change. Um, but yeah, and finding the right people. And I'm, I'm sometimes amazed by how willing some people are to give yeah. feedback. Um, I mean, we were talking about this before we were on camera as well, yeah. but um, the, there's one half of Nocturna by Nature who I've never met the guy, but absolute legend. He sends me so much feedback to the things I've sent him. Um, yeah. I'm hoping out of sitting out of name dropped him that he doesn't now get you know a hundred thousand people sending things and not have time to listen to mine anymore. But yeah. Um, yeah, and equally there are some people who. But that having said that, also people have got to remember that if they're sending something to an idol who they don't know, that person kind of doesn't owe them a, yeah, you know yeah. detailed feedback. If they get it, fantastic, and you know show that you're ready. Thank the person ever so much for doing so. Um, but I think there are probably some people who send things to feed, feedback and expect, kind of expect something. Yeah. Um, and if you, they don't actually know that person, I mean, I, I've had people things sent to me and I'll try and always listen to them and give constructive feedback. And I'm honored, flattered that somebody you know, wants my opinion because I don't regard myself as being up there. Yeah. But at the same time, um, if I was having loads of things sent to me at once, I probably wouldn't have time to. And yeah. if you're right at the top, you probably do get so many things being sent to you all the time. Um, also worth mentioning Amber D's demo drop. Yeah. Um, that is an avenue that anybody can use to to get some feedback. Right. Um, she says she's she won't play the track if it's not up to a stand you know up to a certain standard and she'll just message somebody some feedback but um there you've got kind of a captive audience all of who are, most of the people watching are producers and again some of the people on there some of the viewers won't necessarily say constructive things i've had somebody on there um i did a remix of an amber d track and somebody i think claimed something was out of key and amber would listen to it and she said no it's definitely not out of key um so that you do sometimes get that and sometimes people almost want to try and big themselves up by Correct. finding Somebody, something yeah, that yeah, isn't yeah. really wrong um but at the same time that's <coughs> certainly if people are struggling to find some of the feedback that's somewhere that anybody can go and i found amma's you know show's been really useful as well fantastic yeah so if you if you want to get some feedback get onto the the demo drop um for amber d just search for her on facebook i'm sure you'll find her um i listen i give my thing is right when i started out because I, I i sort of out the way of everybody when I I found it hard to like like talk to people like I say I look for feedback on something or something like that and it's like you maybe won't get replies and stuff, um, and I mean I couldn't just go like at this point I couldn't just go to a club because I was so young I couldn't just turn to a club night in I don't know Wigan or somewhere like that and say like this is my demo blah 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 can you let me know what you think of it because obviously I was underage and stuff so for me it was like. 
I always give everybody the time of day. If you message me, I might not message you back straight away because obviously you've got life. You've got, I've got um, work and then obviously my little kid as well, my missus, home life, my dog. So it's like once I've got all that out of the way, I will make the time of day. I mean, if you message me just with a SoundCloud link, don't expect a reply. Like I'm, I don't, I purposely avoid replying to them people because I think it's cheeky and I think it's, I think it's just moronic if i'm honest but if you, you mean if it's just literally the link and yeah, that's yeah. nothing else that's, that that's right. happened and then i thought you then, meant don't use soundcloud for a moment oh no no <laughs> not at all but the amount of times that people have just done that and then i've actually had like messages after like you're not replying then and i'm like um well all i've got is a soundcloud link like what, what, what do you expect me to say but at the same time i'll uh, i don't expect a big million paragraphs of like why you want me to listen to it? You just if you just be nice, introduce yourself and say, "Hi, Brad. Um, done some music. Um, I would love to hear what you think." That's that's that's, that's all you need. I don't mm. want a big thing. But if you're just going to drop a, a link and expect me to message you back saying, "Yeah, I've just listened to that random link you sent me," even though I didn't <laughs> know, you might not have meant to send me that, but it might be my mistake or something. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, and then give a big load of feedback. If you're not giving me the time of day of the message and say hi i'd love to think about what you think i don't give you the time of day to actually listen to it so yeah i don't blame you yeah it, it used to be really bad in about it i still occasionally get them but people i think people soon learn if you're going to do that not to do it but i remember when i think it was about 2016 ish djs used to just spam like um my inbox with like just a, a link to a, a mix or a link to a production and just like, or even times, um, share this mate and then just a link. Like it's just ridiculous. But luckily them, them people are like, I call them six monthers. Right. Um, I don't know yeah. what you, if you know what it is, but basically like they'll come on the same for six months mm. thinking they're going to be get big bookings. And then when it doesn't work out for them after six months, because they don't think they'll feel like they're getting anywhere sort of disappear it's a lot of them people come and go you you see it in cycles but yeah a lot of them people were them people who were just spamming me like share this mix pal share this share this mix or just a sample link but we'll get off that back onto your story we're sort of lost we've got on a tangent there again so you've you got into production you got your first book and it's splat um and this was 2017 did you say uh oh no i moved over here 2017 i think oh. my first book in 2018 right so how did um, you get that then um did you hand a demo in or no it was uh i mean i i got mixes on facebook uh sorry mixes on soundcloud that um so danny who runs splat uh, or ran splat it's not been for, for i don't know he's talking about bringing it back but i'm not sure if it's going to happen mm-hmm. um hopefully um but he his events were kind of like no progression, mm-hmm. just um, a, a mixture of different types of dance music, a little bit of drum and bass, sometimes a little bit of hardcore, a little bit of... And the guy I was following um, <clears throat> was playing this, so I'm going to say made-up genre. Um, but he, yeah, in terms of bookings for it, so it's kind of people that Danny thinks would be interesting to have on. Um, and he had heard of me, and we'd become sort of friends. I mean, we're closer friends now than we were at that point, but... I think we'd become friends at this stage. Yeah. And he thought, well, you know, he sounds interesting. Um, I don't know if he'd actually <coughs> listened to a whole one of my mixes or just a little bit of one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was the first event. And uh, and it was great because the guy on before me, um, fingers crossed he doesn't see it, the chances are is pretty slim. Um, the guy before me was playing this bizarre made-up genre um, to a literally empty club. 
Um, and yeah. I think at that point, I probably, no disrespect to the guy, but I could have played anything and it would have gone down better than the so set what, before. what was it he was playing? Just like... Um, I mean, it, it, it isn't a, an established genre. It was literally this guy had... I, I was talking about creativity and this yeah. is what, what Danny Runsplat loved about Splat is having different ideas and... Did he just go too far off the spectrum? <laughs> it was, sort of, it was certainly a very long way along some kind of spectrum that wasn't a spectrum I'd want, normally want to go down. Right. So it was, was it like a drum and bass or...? No, or, it was... Like, I, was I, it fourth and floor music? Is that what it was? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going back to 2018 now, so I'm going back a fair way and try, mm. I'm trying to remember a set that I wasn't really yeah, tuned interested in listening yeah. to. Um, but it was just a bizarre um, concoction of sounds. That's all I can say. Uh, right. it, music is is quite music is what people want it to be and quite avant garde. <laughs> like uh, it's yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a market for it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I then came on and played some sort of fun, uplifting bounce. Um, I think I might have put, I definitely did a custom intro for it. Right. Um, I might have done a couple of. I think I probably had a few of my tracks in there. Um, the mix is some, I think, that, yeah, the mix is definitely on my SoundCloud. I haven't listened to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, some sort of trancey bounce, a bit of laminators in there, I think. Um, then going to a bit of harder bounce at the end, a right. um, bit of progression in there. And it seemed to go down really well. And then sort of people, a lot of people didn't realise that was my first ever set. Um, so that was where the DJing sort of in public began. Um, and off the back of that, I had some more bookings, um, not a massive number, but I was growing quite nicely before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of my biggest event uh, was probably Juicy. Well, Juicy over in Nottingham was one of the biggest ones. Rob DeSera was headlining. Yeah. So that to me, to be on a, from where I'd come from to suddenly, you know, there's this guy that just makes music for a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, suddenly I'm on a lineup DJing with Rob DeSera. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Bring the Bounce Back as well. We had some, you know, the second bring the bounce back particularly we had some sort of big names from from midlands bounce on there i feel like um, that's where i heard of you maybe possibly when uh i obviously i'd heard like bits and bobs you doing under the old name alan skipper mm. and then uh, you'd done that i seen it, i'm sure i've seen a video you and you're playing like like i wouldn't talk about this off pod you were playing back to back with uh, eggman eggman yeah and i played you, twice we've played together yeah and and I think that's where I first started sort of become, becoming um, sort of his, his, actively listening out for your music. So anything you post up, I'd have a little listen or something like that. Like, And then from there, I think that's where I discovered you. So um, how were them sets? How was how was Juicy? How was the Bring Back? Is it, is it, uh, did you go down the route that you wanted to with your creativity in the bounce stuff? Like obviously you'd be playing other people's music, but as well as your own. How did you find that? How did it feel playing out your own music for the first time? I mean, when, you, when you've got something that you've made yourself and then you play it on a big system and you see it going down well and you hear, and a donk sounds different in a club, you know, mm-hmm. to, to how it does in the studio. Um, yeah, phenomenal sort of euphoric feeling, um, sort of excitement, uh, adrenaline, mm. um, all of these things at the same time. Um, we played, we mentioned the back-to-backs with, with Eggman. So we we've had two back-to-backs. One of them was another splat event. We were booked for a back-to-back. Um, and then the two DJs after us both cancelled. 
So we ended up having, basically, we were just told, play as long as you like. Now, this at this point in time, the particular club we were in um, has some very old CDJs that actually only play CDs still. So we were limited to, you know, there's no USB with a thousand hours of music on it. It was just as many tracks with, as I'd burnt to CDs. But we had, um, we played just over two hours in the end mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and had a massive round of applause because, you know, we just played over two hours to a, and a set that went down really, really well. Um, Juicy, we were the closing set for the last event before lockdown. Right. Uh, this was uh, maybe two weeks before we went into lockdown. Um, so little did we know at that point we would be the final set for, you know, until events opened up again. Um, and then the weekend after that, I was playing back in the club where I played the uh, Bring the Bounce Back and Splat events. Yeah. Um, a friend uh, had hired the venue for an engagement party. I remember seeing this, yeah. So, yeah, so there was 160 people there, um, you know, crammed into into this little club. Um, and this was, I think, the weekend before lockdown started, possibly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You started building a lot of momentum or... or um and it was starting to really start to work for you. I think I even messaged you at the time saying, listen, like, yeah, I think I messaged you saying, you're doing the right thing. Like, and I've talked to your pod before and I was saying, like, I, I asked you to remix one of the tunes off of the label. It's not like, I wouldn't just go and ask people, random people. Like, if I like what you're doing, then I'm obviously going to reach out. Uh, I'm going to sit here for like two minutes and put him over massively because... I feel like you deserve it, and and I've I've said this to you off pod, but I want people to hear this one as well. Like, um, and and I hope that you're not offended, which I did say to you before as well. Um, Alan's very much one one element away from being great. It's just I think times the element that I said to you before. Like, I think give it time uh, over a couple of years, and then you will be held in high regard for that that west midlands bounce you'd be like a go-to guy for like oh we need a, a west midlands hard bounce dj you will be the the first thought in the head it's just time to 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 get more tracks out for more people to know who you are because your style you've nailed to a t you don't go and follow a trend um if it's big at the minute you don't go and just follow it um you do what you like um you stick to your guns you're a very nice humble guy um very likable like um, person to talk to as well um and like you're just doing all the things right but as, as i say i think the element is is you've got everything nailed um your production as well like we're going to get into now from 2000 and sort of 19 till like during the pandemic and everything you, you improved massively obviously having all that time to do things but at the same time, like, as I say, like, you've improved and you're at a level now where there's no reason why you shouldn't be the first person to be booked off. I know there's a lot of hard, hard bounce DJs out there, but they don't produce. If, if they're looking for a producer, it should be, you should be the first go-to guy right now. Um, and I think it's just time that's kind of, that's, that's the issue. Um, give it a couple of years and I think you will be there. You'll be there. If you consistently go as you are, that's just me. I could be talking absolute shit, but from, from, it's from my perspective, looking at it, um, you, you haven't differed away from you, the, 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 the avenue you're going down, you're sticking to what you like and people appreciate you for that. Um, I've, I've been a, a, a bad for this, um, in the past, maybe not so much over the last four or five years, but, Go back as far as like seven, eight years ago, I was 
making tunes for the reason of making tunes and now I listen back to them and like because I was following trends um I'm just like oh I wish I'd never done that like it's just just because you, you lost your way a bit and I was just simply doing it just to get my name out there or to get my tunes played and now I couldn't care about that for me it's art over bookings um and art being the, the tracks um, we mentioned the the Paramore track before. I did that. Um, if you listen to the first drop in that track, it's like I was just producing what other people were making in the clubs, and it's like a really don't heavy donk drop. And I'm, I listen back to that now, and I was like, if it, if I just went euphoric with it or something, I'd, I'd have still played that track. Now I don't, I don't even have it loaded on my USBs because it's just like, ugh. Like because obviously I was just following trends, but you, I I respect you so much that you've stuck to your guns and you've stayed in what you like um and as i say i think over time things will work out for you so then i'll just put you put you over two minutes there um so well thank you very much for that <laughs> no <laughs> but you know what, what to I mean? say to that no no, no um, but you know what i mean it's it, it, some people do lose the way myself included of of what they enjoy rather than and and i'm, I'm and i've and i know a lot of people you, you can hear it in people's productions a lot of people have, and even DJs as well, who don't necessarily produce, they change the style up to suit a certain night. Shouldn't really do that. You should just do what you love. And fair enough if you're doing it to make, you're doing it for to make it a living. There is there's DJs out there who will play music to keep a crowd in and earn their living. But if you're doing this as a hobby, and you're doing it as an artist, um, then do what you love. Don't go and copying of the style like do you know what i mean it's just not right <laughs> but yeah sorry moving I, on so I, I think there's a couple of bits to unpick there so you, you mentioned about building and thank you very much because that's you know amazing hearing that so thank you yeah, no especially problem. someone that i've looked up to for a long time but the uh yeah you were saying about building momentum so i've i feel that in terms of djing i was building momentum very nicely before the pandemic yeah. the fact that i played both the weekends before the pandemic hit it speaks volumes do you know what i mean yeah sorry it speaks volumes that like yeah both of those events both both the the last two weekends before before in lockdown i was playing out and i haven't played out since (laughs) um so in terms of djing's building momentum but i wasn't in terms of production and tracks like i was still just doing my thing and i I, by this point i got um at least a couple of tracks that i'd self-engineered that have been um released um there was one on pumped which is like one of the hardest tracks that i've made um john longbottom's label yeah um <laughs> the track itself has a long story to it which i could go into but i'll go off on another tangent if i do so we'll see if we come back to it but the um yeah so i had one on pumped and there was a one on was originally blessed recording that's been re-released on lightning tracks yeah um the uh so you know i'd had a couple out but i hadn't had many that i'd self um self-engineered and then the pandemic um was a fantastic time to sit at a computer and practice production and i think any i mean when events were about to reopen you know i said quite publicly i said i don't want to hear any classic sets for us this year because we've just had all this time that producers have been sat at home yeah hopefully you know if people have been doing the right thing everyone should have been every producer should have been producing that that's the pandemic it's your production time with no distractions to like go out in clubs or anything um there might be some people who you know for financial reasons or whatever couldn't do what they want to do but for most bit producers that's the perfect time and, that, and that's what i did during the pandemic i you know early on 
I decided that was when I was going to make the move over to Alan James. Yeah. Um, combination reasons why I did that, but it was the perfect time to, because I had no tracks lined up for release at this stage and no DJ bookings lined up. So it was the perfect time to, if I'm going to make that swap. Um, and I thought, oh, I want to start, I hate finding names for new mixers. It's yeah. something I always struggle with. So I sort of did a Facebook post as you do. And, um, and someone I used to teach with, an English teacher, suggested Bounce Times. Because mm. it works on the same levels. It works on like Bounce Times 2, Bounce Times 3, Bounce Times 4. It makes it sound like each one is building on the ones before it and is something yeah. bigger, which hopefully it is. Um, it's also a nice little sort of maths pun in there because I'm a maths teacher. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and also kind of sounds a bit like a newspaper. And I don't know. Um, that worked for me. And it meant that like, I could then have a sequence of mixes. I didn't have to have a new name every time. Yeah. And so the first Bounce Times, I'm pretty sure that's where I used the original version of The World. Right, um, okay, I saw, yeah. I did a bit of an edit of it with, with a Clayheads track um, and mashed them together a little bit. But that's where I first used The World. Yeah. So, um, I remember you messaging me the mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a mix that, and it wasn't a production mix by any means. It was one that had quite a few of my tracks on there. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't meant to be a production series. Um, and I, I was looking earlier on, I think I released that, I mean, we went into lockdown, what was the start of March or something? And yeah. this came out in May. So it wasn't something I spent masses of time making, but um, but I had fun putting it together. And I think there might've been one or two new tracks on there possibly, I don't know. Um, and then after that, I thought, well, I'm going to spend lots and lots of time doing production. So Bounce Times 2 um, was the, I don't know offhand the date it came out, um, but it was the result of a lot of new productions and it was 18 tracks, 14 of them were mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there are all things I'd made, you know, during lockdown. Um, and that series has then become, you know, more of a production series than bounce times. And I used, um, we're talking about, think about the way I think it might've been before we went on yes. we went live, but that was on bounce times two. bounce times three. By this point, I was like, right, this is going to be more of a production thing. Um, there was one track I wanted to use on there that wasn't mine, but the other 18 of them were mine. Yeah. Um, and at this point I'd now started getting onto Bounce Heaven. Um, yeah. so there's some Bounce Heaven tracks on that. I was starting out onto DNZ or DNZ, whichever you want to say. Mm. Um, so there were sort of some bigger labels involved. Um, and by the time this goes out, I won't be quite ready for Bounce Times 4, yeah. but I, I've potentially got 20 tracks ready to go for it. So I'm waiting for feedback. We were talking about feedback earlier. I'm waiting for a little bit of feedback on a couple of them. And if they're good to go, then I think just decide the running order and then mix it. So I'm getting close. That's going to be a full production mix. So that's very much, I've, I've lost momentum in terms of playing out. Um, I'm hoping to get that back, you know, in the near future. But I gained momentum in terms of releases. Mm -hmm. And then sort of 2021, I had so many tracks out, um, you know, more than I ever had before. And this year I've had loads out as well so yeah i'd lost i'd lost momentum in terms of djing and playing out but again maybe because i didn't stream because a lot of people went into streaming at the start of lockdown and i didn't yeah. um my internet connection back then wouldn't have uh, <laughs> coped but um that was five wasn't available then here but yeah so i lost momentum in one way but gained it in another um you also mentioned in terms of you know me being the go-to for for sort of hardbound so this is where i think i've got my own kind of my own kind of little niche that, um, I mean, what I make isn't really hard bounce. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. There's a crossover between the northern style, which is a bit like, 
not cheesy but not not melodic sort of thing but and it's got that west midland sort of like pumping hard bounce you've definitely like cracked your where you are like yeah that's where i was getting that i just uh, yeah obviously trying to word it out at the same time um but yeah you understand where i was getting at. yeah but i appreciate what you said about you know i've stuck to my guns and yeah. i very much i make my thing yeah yeah um very much influenced by the laminate influenced by the laminators who we were talking about earlier yeah very much influenced by them um with lots and lots of late bit sections you know in tracks um but i'm also experimenting with you know um some hardcore straight hard style producers i've started doing a little bit of bounce and i'm influenced a little bit by them trying to grab a, a little bit of those of that sound and, and some harder leads sometimes mm-hmm. um the the track i tried on on bounce heaven you know was very much I was just trying to copy what uh, Lee, Lee from you know Axel Gear Euphian does. Um, literally, I was trying to copy his style of leads, yeah. and I'm messaging him, sort of talking about um, how he makes those leads. And I was like, right, I'm going to try that, and that's what that's how that track came about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, the sounds that I like, but I also love sort of having trancier sounds. So I'll often um, we were talking about keys earlier on. So when I start a production, I didn't have a clue what a key was or anything or how to structure yeah. a chord. But once I'd found that stuff out. Um, I love running, you know, little arps and little, little, you know, fast paced chords, um, through tunes, just give them a bit of extra energy and make them a little bit trancy and a bit more melodic. Now the hard bound sound doesn't ever have that. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes think that people that just like people that think of bounces, just hard house with an offbeat probably think the stuff I do is a bit too trancy, a bit too happy. Um, but you've, as I say, but, you found your Yeah, but well. it is my, I, the sound is the sound and I don't make it to try and appeal to somebody else. I love getting releases yeah. and I love it when I get positive feedback, but at the same time, I'm still just trying to make the thing that I want to make. Absolutely. So that brings us through to today, um, really, so post-pandemic and stuff like that. So you've had your releases on Balt Heaven, uh, DNZ. Um, what have you got chubby tunes oh, chubby tunes <laughs> yeah yeah you have you had a release and hopefully more to come as well so that, that that's definitely something to keep an eye out for um, so what have you got coming up then so I have a this is potentially going out on Friday isn't it yes so uh, in that case it'll only be three days until my next Bound 7 release which is called I Love You yeah which is um, do you remember I Love You Always oh, apologies for my singing do you I remember that track from you're a little bit younger than me aren't you Okay, I'm, the, I'm quite knowledgeable of old music though. So. The original came out in like 1996, I think it was. Um, it's not a dance track, but it was like really sort of. In, Who was that? Sorry. Uh, she's a one-hit wonder, and every time somebody asks me that, I have to look it up. Um, you can when you do your post-editing, yeah. you put the. Name I'll, I'll have a look. <laughs> but okay. the um, yeah, I got I got the artwork today yeah. for the release. Um, that's uh, that's the Monday just after this comes out. Mm-hmm. After that, I've got lots of tracks that are ready to be sent off. Mm-hmm. But because of bounce times four, and that's kind of my focus a little bit. Yeah. So I've decided I'm not sent. I've not sent any of them out yet. I decide I'm going to get bounce times four sorted as I want it first. It feels special, doesn't and it? Then, mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah, and then. And that will essentially be, um, I mean, the oldest track that's probably going to make it on there was made in October of last year. So it's kind of like being the best part of a year work in progress. It's almost like an anthology of everything I've made I love it. since I the love last it. bounce times. Um, I've, I've made I've, I've made 21 tracks since then, but one of them I made for somebody and there's one little thing I'm not sure if he wants changing it. So that's not going to make it in. But I think the other 20 are. So... Yeah, um, there are lots of tracks on there that are ready to go, um, but I've not sent them out to labels yet. I've not actually decided which to go into which labels necessarily. 
Um, but bounce times four will be, you know, that's the big one. Yeah, yeah when it, when it, when you've been putting in a year's worth of work into a mix, um, that's it's special to me. Absolutely. Um, like I say, it's attention to detail. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to rush the mix of it. If I mix it once and there's one time that I think I'm not happy with, you know, it'll become an hour until I'm until I'm completely happy. And we're talking about feedback as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Wayne will have it to listen to and I'll get the okay from him before it goes out to anyone yeah um and uh I don't know what I'd do if he stopped listening to my stuff <laughs> uh so yeah and then 22nd of October I think it is bring the bounce back right okay probably the biggest event I've played at right okay who's um, on Lisa Pinup yeah um Dawson back to back with Tom Berry yeah Charlie Bosch yeah um mark daniels who um people from the sort of the more northern scene won't necessarily know mark yeah. but um mark playing back to back with here and b um that is going to be probably the hardest bounce set anybody's ever heard <laughs> right. um if you listen to mark's productions you know you know where we're going with that um eggman is playing back to back with little miss jules yeah. um who little miss jules is actually involved with 12, 12 inch thumpers now mm-hmm. um so they're playing back to back uh pluto Alex Broff is playing uh, as well. Um, and then the guys who run the event, uh, Ross and Danny, are playing a set. Oh, and me. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a stack lineup when you think about it. It's, um, yeah, fantastic. And, um, and that so, event, incidentally, it's been a long time coming because yeah. it was... Uh, so we had two big, very successful Bring the Bounce Back events, um, sellout events. The third event was going to be in the January just before the pandemic. And then just before Christmas, um, ticket sales weren't going great. And uh, now it might well be because it was Christmas and people wait until afterwards. But it was decided, you know, rather than risk it, it was decided to pull the event. Mm-hmm. And instead of putting on again another um, event at Suki 10C, which is like a small club in Birmingham, it decided actually let's go for Tunnel Club, Subway mm-hmm. City. Let's go, let's make it bigger, but let's kickstart it. Um, and kind of mixed things about it, but it went down so well. The Kickstarter raised the raised the five hundred pound target, which is the cost for the venue. Um, I hope that's not anything confidential. <laughs> um, but the uh, it raised the, the the funding. That doesn't so it doesn't pay for the DJs, but it pays for the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, the Kickstarter went live maybe three weeks before the lockdown started. Okay, and it made its target and and then some. Right, the plan was every hundred pound to release another DJ. Well. Each day we're making, you know, it was it, it just went so so quickly. Um, by the end of the of the Kickstarter, though, we were in lockdown. Right. So that event that was scheduled for twenty twenty obviously didn't happen, yeah. and it got rearranged a couple of times for you know provisional dates, assuming events were up, and events weren't up. Yeah. And then in the end, it decided right rather than keep postponing, keep postponing, keep postponing, we're gonna let all the other events. I say we. I mean, I don't run the I don't uh, run you, the brand, yeah, but yeah, I'm resident for it. Um, it was decided that rather than put in a provisional date, let's just let all the other brands that are doing their, you know, pre-rearranged, re-rearranged events, yep. all of them go ahead with theirs and we'll put ours much further and kick it into the long grass. So that event is going to be this October. Fantastic. And it's obviously been such a long time, you know, it's well over two and a half years since it was originally kickstarted. Um, but it's come together brilliantly. Ticket sales look, looking very healthy. Um really really excited by that and you know to be on the i mean i was saying earlier about being on the same lineup as rob tessera now it's going to be on the same lineup as lisa pinup yeah, and exactly. the rest of that line i mean yeah. without lisa 
it's that would be an incredible lineup. Yeah. I mean, Dawson back to back with Tom Berry. Right. Tom Berry is fantastic. Uh, and if you ever seen Dawson, Dawson's not as big a name as Tom Berry, but he is. Um, in terms of his skills, if you ever watch him on a mixer, he's. I mean, Andy Whitby is kind of similar. There's li- you. You just watch him do this yeah. stuff that. You know, I'm a DJ <clears throat> and I've no idea what he's doing, but it sounds incredible. Yeah. And some DJ, a lot of DJs will then try and, you know, over uh, a lot of DJs, in my personal opinion, yeah. overdo it on a mixer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, I'm like, if that track sounded better with a phaser there, I would have put a phaser there. I would have made the engine of the track. Yeah. You know, a lot of DJs, I think, per, in my personal opinion, overdo it on the mixer and they're trying to they're trying to make the track sound better, but it it doesn't, and the yeah. track would have been produced like that if it sounded better. However, when Dawson does it, or when Whitby does it, there's certain DJs do it, it just sounds incredible. And Dawson, to me, Dawson should be much, much, much better known than he is. Yeah. And so him back-to-back with Tom Berry, I think is going to be a really special set. Amazing, mate. Um, I've just realised that I didn't upload my google chrome document for the questions okay so apologies there's no questions this week um from listeners um so instead of doing the question section we'll just tie it up with um the question that i don't need to write down because i mean i should know this off by heart by now but if you were to get the electric chair because you were um let's see what what have you done You've blew the speakers in a club because you've went in too hard when you played a tune and said, you know what, we're just going to tie you up to the sound system, electric chair. But you can have one more meal. What are you going to have? What are you going to have? So you've got to red line to headline, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Red line I don't believe that. (laughs) Um, Okay, I would have, let's go controversial, I would go for a pineapple-based Hawaiian pizza with extra pineapple. Um, I once wanted a pineapple pizza and the shop I was buying it from had no Hawaiian pizzas, so I bought a whole tin of pineapple, put it on top. But alongside my pineapple pizza, there's a smokehouse just up the road that I tried just a few weeks ago. Mm. And I'd have one of their milkshakes with it because their milkshakes is the best milkshake I've ever had. Um, I could, I would name drop them, but I can't remember the name of the place now. Mm. But it's just up the road. I think it's Hickory's. Right. I think they're a chain, but this is the only one that I've been to. I'd have one of their milkshakes with it because that was absolutely divine. Right. Um, I take back everything I said about Alan. Is it? <laughs> You just went down on my estimation with a pineapple pizza, man. How can you not? Mm, no, it's it's it, the sweet and the it doesn't go the cheese and the sweet and like no, it's not for me. Are you having dessert? Oh, well, obviously the 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 the, the milkshake actually. The milkshake okay, with, is kind have, of like there's so yeah. much ice cream in it. Effectively, is a dessert. Right. Okay. So where can people find you? Okay, the best place. Now, I'm actually, this is something I need to do more of is social media because mm-hmm. uh, I don't use Instagram. I don't use, I tried doing TikTok because people said that it's a place to be. And I just, mm. then even tracks that like aren't released and aren't and are completely free of copyright still get muted on there. I don't understand yeah, it. Um, so uh, the best place is I've got a Facebook page, um, Alan James, DJ producer. Yeah. Um, and my SoundCloud, 8-Bit Alan James. Right. There you um, go. I just want to say thank you for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Check this guy out. Amazing. Um, Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, then share it with your mates because it does go a long way. Every individual person shares it. Someone might not have heard it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, thank you for listening and I'll see you again next time. Cheers.